We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Episode 700 of the Al Galdi Podcast. It is Wednesday, November 15th, 2023. And yes, we have reached episode 700, the 700 Club. Not to be confused with the television show, The 700 Club. That's a religious show. This is a sports show, a show about Washington, D.C. area sports, a show for which there is a new episode each weekday, Monday through Friday, with each episode out very early each weekday morning. This show started in February 2021. This show has somehow lasted (laughs) for 700 episodes, and that is because of you, so thank you. Uh, And coming up on this episode 700 of the podcast are two guests. Uh, Next segment, an in-depth conversation on the Commanders with Commanders insider Ben Standig of The Athletic. Uh, We are going to discuss a lot of big picture items with our football team, including the rise of quarterback Sam Howell and also what managing partner Josh Harris is thinking with the head coaching position. Uh, Is Josh's mind already made up regarding the team's current head coach, Rod Rivera? To what extent is the assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy a candidate to be the team's next head coach? Should Josh be open to the team's next head coach being in a coach-centric approach? I know, I know. (laughs) You don't want to hear that phrase anymore. I get it. Uh, But You look at it, you say, okay, there are coach-centric approaches in the NFL that are working quite well. Uh, Is that something that should still be on the table for the commanders, the coach-centric approach? Or is it time for the manders to rid themselves of the coach-centric approach? All of that and a lot more with Ben Standing next segment. Then we're going to get a whole lot of intel on the commander's next opponent, the New York Giants, from longtime Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN Radio in New York, MSG Networks Television in New York, and Giants.com. Paul has covered the Giants since 1983. Uh, the Giants, of course, are in the midst of a nightmare of a season, although 
Uh, it is a season that includes a 14-7 win over the Commanders. So we should assume nothing regarding Commanders Giants at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. But Paul is going to tell us about the future of quarterback Daniel Jones with the Giants, the future of running back Saquon Barkley with the Giants, uh, whether Senior Vice President and General Manager Joe Shane and Head Coach Brian Dable are in danger of being fired, and more. Uh, Also on the show, I will talk capitals. Uh, They are on fire. A 3-0 win over the reigning defending Stanley Cup champion Vegas Golden Knights at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. The Caps now are 7-1-1 since their 1-3-1 start to this 2023-2024 NHL regular season. The Caps' number two goaltender, Charlie Lindgren, he was outstanding on Tuesday night. 35 saves as the Caps, for a third consecutive game, did not have their number one goaltender, Darcy Kemper, as their starting goaltender. He got hurt in the Caps' 4-3 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena last Wednesday night, November 8th. But Kemper on Tuesday night was the backup goaltender as Lindgren was great for a second time in three games. You will hear Caps head coach Spencer Carberry address whether the Caps have a goaltender controversy. Uh, Before we get to some feedback, a few items. Orioles manager Brandon Hyde, he on Tuesday evening was deservedly named 2023 American League Manager of the Year. Fourth Orioles manager to win American League Manager of the Year, joining Frank Robinson in 1989, Davey Johnson in 1997, and Buck Showalter in 2014. Interesting that two of those guys also became Nationals managers, uh, Frank Robinson and Davey Johnson, uh, both of whom played for the O's. Uh, Speaking of the Nats, we did have some Nats news on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, They announced a variety of roster moves in order to protect players for the upcoming Rule 5 draft. Among the moves, designating first baseman Dominic Smith for assignment. Uh, Dom Smith was the Nats' number one first baseman this past season. He was the perfect microcosm for the Nats' offense this past regular season. No power. Uh, He had a slugging percentage of just 366. He did get on base some, on base percentage of 326, but he over 586 plate appearances had just 34 extra base hits. Uh, Also, the Nats on Tuesday afternoon announced that they have agreed on contracts for the 2024 season with outfielder Victor Robles and reliever Tanner Rainey avoiding salary arbitration. Uh, The Nats on November 2nd announced that they had declined their 2024 club option on Robles, although he still remained under team control uh, and was eligible for salary arbitration. Uh, That 2024 club option was for 3.3% million dollars. So the Nats uh, simply wanted Robles back at a cheaper price. Uh, additionally, some college basketball on Tuesday night. Virginia improved to 3-0 this season with an 80-51 blowout of North Carolina A&T at John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, Virginia. The Cavaliers led at the half 49-19. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Dr. CCB on what Ron Rivera said during his post-game press conference about the struggles of long snapper Cameron Cheeseman, a.k.a. the Cheeseman, uh, in the 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks this past Sunday. The uh, Cheeseman's high snap a part of kicker Joey Sly missing a first quarter extra point attempt. Writes the doctor, I'm not concerned we got it straightened out at the end when it mattered. 
This quote should be displayed on ESPN under Rod Rivera's picture when the Josh Harris group releases Ron of his duties. Are you serious, Ron? Cheeseman has been having snapping issues for at least six out of the 10 games. That one point would have put the commanders up by one and possibly changed the mindset of the Seahawks and how the last five minutes played out. I'm done with this season, Goldie, but I'll still go to and watch the games. I'm excited to see what Sam Howell can be with EB. I enjoy seeing the growth from that combination and hope that those two have one more year to put it all together. Have a great day and congrats on your 700th episode. Uh, Thank you very much for that, Dr. CCB. You know, Cameron Cheeseman over the commander's first two games this regular season had three bad snaps on field goal attempts. The commanders, in fact, on September 19th worked out five long snappers. Yes, not one, not two, five. And yet the cheese man remained. Now we have what we had in this loss at the Seahawks, multiple bad snaps by Cameron Cheeseman. Remember, Joey Sly connected on a third quarter 47-yard field goal, uh, thanks in part to a great hold by punter slash holder Tressway, uh, who capably handled a bad snap by Cameron Cheeseman. Heck, pro football focus has Cameron Cheeseman ranked as the lowest graded player in the NFL this regular season in terms of special teams. We have all of this, but the cheese man somehow, some way has survived. Uh, Multiple emails on the notion of Sam Howell being a franchise quarterback. Email from Wendell Hicks writes, Wendell, I was listening to your thoughts on when we should anoint a quarterback, a franchise quarterback. I agree that we can't yet be certain that that is what Sam Howell is, but I believe that for most, that has more to do with his draft position and not his performance. For instance, I don't remember ever hearing anything but glowing superlatives for Justin Herbert. Even when he didn't win, it seemed like most of the national scrutiny was on Brandon Stokely. I am not suggesting that we should anoint Sam, but I do believe that if he was a high draft pick, his perceived upside would move up at a faster rate. Uh, Thank you for the email, Wendell. Uh, Yeah, so the whole franchise quarterback discussion is a fun discussion with no right answer because there is no formal definition of a franchise quarterback. Franchise quarterback is a phrase that means whatever you want it to mean. Uh, I have given you my definition of franchise quarterback. I define franchise quarterback as a quarterback who, A, generally and reasonably speaking, can be viewed as a top 12, top 15 type quarterback in the NFL, and B, has proven himself with a team over multiple seasons. And so to me, it's too early to declare Sam Howell a franchise quarterback. That designation to me is not something that you can get off just 11 NFL regular season games. I would still have that definition if Sam had been taken with a top five pick in the 2022 NFL draft. But to Wendell's point, I do think that where Sam was drafted, the fifth round of the 2022 draft, has impacted how people view him, especially going into this season. So many people, both fans and media members, locally and nationally, uh, scoffed at the idea of Sam Howell, a 2022 fifth round pick, truly proving to be a good NFL QB1. Do you remember the obnoxious lecturing and scolding of the commanders by so many in the national NFL media for the team not being in on giving up a boatload of assets in a trade for Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson because the commanders wanted to see what they had in Sam Howell. Imagine that. And look, Lamar is having a good season, but you tell me right now, 
Would you rather the commanders have given up a boatload of draft picks for Lamar and have Lamar uh, under contract for monster money, given his recent injury history, or have Sam Howell doing what he is doing on a fifth round rookie contract with all kinds of upside right in front of you? Uh, I know what my answer is. I will take the latter. Thank you very much. Uh, Email from Mike Horwell writes, Mike, Al, on a number of your recent podcast episodes, you've raised the question about whether Sam Howell is a franchise quarterback for the Commanders. Honestly, I think that issue is obscuring what's really important for most fans. It's not about some vague media tag, but rather, have we found a quarterback for the foreseeable future? Do we build a strategy for free agency and the draft on the basis that we have a quarterback? In my opinion, Howell has established himself as our quarterback. How long will it last? I don't know, but he presents a legitimacy that has been missing for a long time, even before Mr. Process. (laughs) Should the commanders build a team around Sam? I believe he has demonstrated enough skill and understanding of the position for the answer to be yes. That supersedes any media adjective such as franchise. Keep up the good work. Uh, Thank you for the email, Mike. Uh, I agree with what Mike said. Uh, Boring some like complete implosion by Sam Howell the rest of this season, and I in no way anticipate that happening. Remember, though, the conversation about whether Sam is a franchise quarterback is not some media creation. The conversation is something that has been generated by multiple people with the team. Principal among them, the head coach, Rod Rivera. He, for weeks, has been implying that Sam is a franchise quarterback via the constant playing of what we call the Sam Howell card. And hey, Ron may well be right that Sam is a franchise quarterback. I hope that Ron is right. Uh, Well, if you are in need of fireplace stove or chimney work and you live in Northern Virginia, Nova Fireplace and Stove will do you right. Uh, Nova Fireplace and Stove is outstanding. It handles gas fireplace sales service and installation, handles gas, electric, and wood stoves, and handles chimney cleaning and repair. If you live in Northern Virginia, stay warm and upgrade the feel and value of your home with Nova Fireplace and Stove. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 571-513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Offer good while supplies last, but this is a tremendous deal. Nova Fireplace and Stove, it has been around for more than 20 years. It is run by big Commanders fans, my guys Daniel and Stewart, and it has outstanding professionals. Uh, Whatever the work that you need done requires, Nova Fireplace and Stove has. Master gas fitter, master electrician, class A contractor, licensed chimney inspector, and because of this, Nova Fireplace and Stove can complete your project without the need for any subcontractors, and Nova Fireplace and Stove can pull all of the necessary county permits for the work that is being done. Additionally, Nova Fireplace and Stove can perform fireplace and chimney safety inspections. See for yourself the work that Nova Fireplace and Stove can do. It has a showroom in Woodbridge, Virginia, and has a terrific website, Nova Fireplace and Stove. Dot com and take advantage of this great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Call Nova Fireplace and Stove at 
513-3803. Mention that Al Galdi sent you and receive $1,000 off select in-stock gas inserts and $1,000 off select in-stock wood inserts. Join the Nova Fireplace and Stove family and experience the fireplace service and care that you deserve. Call 571-513-3803. That's 571-513-3803. And make sure that you mention that Al Galdi sent you. Well, it is great to have you with us for this episode 700 of the Al Galdi podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Uh, Thank you for the five-star ratings and for the nice reviews. I ask you guys for those things a lot, and you continue to come through. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. The review does not have to be long. It can be just a sentence or two, but the ratings and the reviews help us out a lot. Uh, and they are greatly appreciated. So this episode 700 of the podcast is for Wednesday, November 15th, what is the four-year anniversary of what is to me one of the most shocking quarterback performances in recent Washington history, what Alex Smith did in a 30-27 Washington loss at the Detroit Lions on November 15th, 2020. Do you remember that game? Alex Smith in this game, started an NFL game for the first time since suffering the broken right fibula and tibia in the 23-21 loss to the Houston Texans at FedEx Field on November 18, 2018, nearly two years to the day of this loss at the Lions. And of course, Alex, off suffering the broken right fibula and tibia, then dealt with infection and sepsis and ultimately 17 surgeries. Well, Alex in this loss at the Lions was tremendous. He went 38 of 55 for 390 yards, no touchdowns, but also no turnovers. He took just two sacks despite being pressured a ton, eight quarterback hits. He rallied Washington from a 24-3 third quarter deficit to tie the game at 27 with 16 seconds left in the fourth quarter. And he led a Washington offense that went 7 of 15 on third downs and two at two on fourth downs. Uh, That was some job by Alex Smith in that game. Well, here we are four years later, and we have Sam Howell as Washington's starting quarterback, and he is doing quite well, certainly over the last three games. We say hello to Commander's Insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, Ben and I, this Commander season, have our arrangement, our alliance, by which we are appearing on each other's podcasts. So one week he's on my podcast, the next week I'm on his podcast. Ben does an awesome job covering the Commanders. He is the host of the Standing Room Only podcast, and you can follow him on X at Ben Standing. And if you follow Ben on X, you know that he this past Saturday evening was at the big game in the Pac-12. Uh, then number five Washington's 35-28 win over then number 18 Utah. Uh, maybe the best quarterback in the FBS, the Huskies, Michael Penix Jr. Two touchdown passes and a touchdown run. He threw for 332 yards, no turnovers. So for Ben, Husky Stadium on Saturday for some college football. And then Lumen Field on Sunday for the Commanders 29-26 loss at the Seattle Seahawks. Quite the weekend, Ben. Quite the stadium weekend, frankly. I mean, like in terms of the, you know, uh, you know, the, the to tie it in with this place, knowing Josh Harris is on the uh, on the look for what to do. He was at 
Um, he was at the game on Sunday. I don't know if he was there Saturday. I'm, I'm pretty positive uh, that the commanders had some front office people there. If you're that close, why not? Washington has a lot more than just Michael Penix. Utah's got some guys as well. Um, yeah, great stadiums. Uh, Washington's is fantastic. Not, not, not going to work for the commanders. Uh, small. It's right next to, uh, I don't know what body water is. It's Pacific. I don't know what it is, but whatever the, but whatever the water is right there, you've seen the, you've seen it on TV behind one of the end zones. Great, great stadium. That game was insane. You had one of the classic, uh, you know, guy drops the ball on a pick six at the two yard line, not even the goal line, the two yard line. Uh, so that, so that ball went. So, uh, it was a turnover when it should have been a touchdown. Um, that was a fun game. And then, yeah, Sunday, uh, I like that stadium. Uh, I didn't walk around it as much as I would have liked, but I like that stadium. I, I, I'm sure it's going to be one of the types that they're going to look at for here um, down the line. That game was entertaining. That that was the fun thing, by the way. I know I'm rambling. The, 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 the college football game, I had no, I didn't care who won. I just, I'm, I'm here for the ride. The second game, I'm not rooting, but obviously if there's one team I have an interest in because it's a team I cover, and so while it was, I missed out on the entertainment part of that game. It was uh, ultimately the result that was, uh, oh yeah, you know, here we go again. So yeah, that, that that one, I didn't enjoy it as much, even though the game was pretty entertaining. Was Lumen Field as loud as had been anticipated? So this is the one negative when you're in when you're in some press boxes. Any press box that is um, uh, an, an outdoor uh, deal, they their roof is open. We, we are behind glass. Same thing at FedEx, same thing at, at several places. So it just gets muted. So I believe it was loud, but I couldn't I couldn't tell you, boy, it was deafening or anything like that. But yeah, it seemed like it was loud. Um, and obviously, right, it, it is a place where the reputation is, you know, look out. It didn't seem like Washington was having major communication issues. Um, accordingly, maybe the, you know, the, their practice was great on that front or it wasn't as loud as anticipated but yeah unfortunately that's one thing that's it happens sometimes with some of these games where i just can't quite tell how loud it is because of the 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 glass in front of us well loud or not uh sam howell and the loss at the seahawks played well third consecutive big game it's an odd deal because the commanders do remain in playoff contention as i've been saying they are in playoff contention whether we want them to be or not (laughs) uh but they are now two and six since the two and oh started to this regular season. And there very much, of course, is this idea that we're all just waiting for the managing partner, Josh Harris, to blow up the team's football operations. Are we at a point at which what matters the most for the commanders the rest of this season is how Sam Howell plays as opposed to the actual results of the team's games? I mean, I've mocked Ron Rivera the last few weeks before this Every time we ask him a question, hey, how come you guys lost to the Giants or whatever, lost to the Eagles? Well, it's all about the young quarterback. How come you're trading Montez Sweat and Chase Young? Or what are you going to do? You know, it's all about the quarterback. I'm like, oh, come on. I mean, you know, you're just trying to deflect. But whether his intentions are, you know, uh, built in truth or not, or full honesty or not, it's the accurate view. All that matters at this point is Sam Howe, uh, you know, I know there are people who just get, oh, you got to make the playoffs, got to make the playoffs. I'm always like, you got to make the playoffs if it's going to mean something. I don't know what it means for this team that is not going to go anywhere. You know, you can tell me the whole, it's, you know, it's a one-game thing and who knows. Come on. Have we not seen enough? Do you really think that this is a group? 
mean, this defense is allowing gobs of points every game. They can't stop, you know, for the most part, almost anybody. So what are we, what, what are we thinking here? Uh, and, and, and again, it's also a reminder that by and large, they have not played the toughest schedule yet. They are currently 0-4 against teams that would be, I guess, I don't know if the Bills are still technically in the playoffs as of today because they lost. But, well, you know what I mean? Like, the Bills are still viewed as a top team. They're 0-4 against the Bills, two against the Eagles, and the Seahawks. They're not beating these teams. So, yes, what matters the most is the development of the quarterback. And, you know, that is also part of why when I watch these games, you know, I don't want to say Sunday's result was perfect. It kind of was. The quarterback plays really well. He makes some big throws late. They end up losing. And then, to add to it, the three teams directly ahead of them, Seattle, Dallas, Minnesota, also all won, making it harder to make the playoffs. Again, this is not being a Debbie Downer. I, I ha- By the way, Al, I have people who tell me I'm too negative when I come on here, and I apologize. Uh, not trying to be negative. I'm just, I, I just try to keep it real, and this is an example. If you want me to say... Well, this is what they need to do to win more games and make the playoffs. Okay, but to what end? You are a much better team if Sam Howell develops. They lose all the games, hypothetically, and you go into next year with uh, you know a better draft pick, all this cap space. Boy, you could be looking at something really interesting. And as long as Howell develops, to me, this season's probably going to be a win. That's on top of the Snyder part of it. I mean, that, we're kind of moved on from that, but this will be the first offseason without Dan Snyder to boot. Right. So I, I think the combination of those things is how I'm just going to keep looking at this. You are not too negative. You keep it real, yo. Uh, and actually, here's a question that skews positive. Uh, quote from right guard Samuel Cosme to Ben Standig about Sam Howell. This was in Ben's piece for The Athletic about the loss at the Seahawks. Quote, he's balling, man. He's been showing some crazy stuff. You can see the development from the beginning of the year to now. It's like, wow. End quote. And this was off what interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen said about Sam Howell after the commander's 2017 win at the New England Patriots in week nine. Quote, Sam Howell is like he's our future. He's our quarterback. And I think we found our next quarterback for the five, 10 years. And I truly believe that. End quote. Uh, I know that we have to be careful with what athletes say, but it feels like the commanders themselves genuinely believe in Sam Howell. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's giving them justification for sure. You know, you know, it's while he's leading the league in passing yards right now. Now, he's also throwing the ball way more than everybody. But he's putting up big-time stats in part because he's making big-time throws. That throw to De'Ami Brown was just the latest where – if you took, you know, a compilation of his best throws and said these were, you know, I don't know, pick pick your uh, pick your quarterback to your, these were all Justin Herbert throws, you, you know, everybody would be like, oh my God. Well, there's Sam Howell throws, and he continues to be impressive. You know, he, the, 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 his, his, uh, his grit from taking all the sacks previously, his poise, despite the ups and downs, he's sort of main, being level-headed. Um, you know, he, he, he comes up big in these later moments. There is a lot to like, and I think the teammates do recognize that this is something different. Um, you know, you know, if they say he's the long-term answer like John Allen did, you know, that one's like, all right, well, we'll see, which is not a knock on Sam Howell to say it's only still been 11 starts. I think, you know, um, I, I, I said this earlier on my podcast that, um, you know, 
people would have signed, would have given RG3 a lifetime contract at this point of his rookie year. And I know that was partly because of injuries, but it wasn't just injuries that ultimately led to RG3's decline. So let's see um, where we're at. But uh, there is a lot to like for sure. And the players aren't even looking at the cheap contract aspect of it all, which is going to be a huge deal uh, moving forward for the next couple of years. So, yeah, I, I think the teammates are buying him, and I don't see why they wouldn't at this point from their perspective. He's been pretty good. Yes, he has been. Uh, much more with Ben Standing in moments. We're going to next get into what Josh Harris is thinking with the commander's head coaching position moving forward, including the possibility of assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy as the team's next head coach. EB doing a nice job for the commanders. A law firm that always does a great job is Paulson and Nace, which has won millions of dollars for clients and was just named as part of U.S. News and World Report's Best Law Firms 2024 edition. Paulson and Nace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace fights for victims of all kinds of situations, including victims of errors made during diagnosis, during surgery, or with medication, victims of injuries caused by dangerous medications or medical devices, as well as defective auto parts, victims of accidents involving cars, trucks, bikes, or motorcycles, victims of deceptive trade practices and false advertising, heck, victims of shady lawyers. If your attorney acts in bad faith, is unethical in his or her counsel, or is negligent in his or her work, you could have a claim for legal malpractice. Paulson and Nace has represented corporate clients throughout the region. Attorneys Chris Nace and Matt Nace, they are experienced trial attorneys who are not afraid to take cases to trials, and that's because Paulson and Nace wins trials. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Paulson and Nace and schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit paulsonandnace.com. That's paulsonandnace.com. Just don't forget to tell Paulson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Nace, if you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. More now with Commander's Insider, Ben Standig of The Athletic. So, Ben, when you hear people say that given how well that Sam Howell is doing, Eric, the enemy, should be the Commander's next head coach, you say what? Well, I mean, look, he's going to be, you know, if you made me put together a list of candidates, I mean, you would have to put him on the list just for no other reason that he is here, right? I mean, I I wouldn't say the same thing about Jack Del Rio, he's already been a head coach twice, but and the defense is obviously faltering this year. But sure, Bianami can be on the list. But you know, I I, I go back to Norv Turner to when it's you know really kind of crystallized for me is just because somebody is a good coordinator does not mean they are built for that job. Now, I'm not getting into any of the reasons why Eric Bianami has not been hired by half the league as a head coach, despite being interviewed, but something that is holding people back with him. And, you know, when Ron Rivera made those comments earlier in the year about players kind of 
uh, complaining about the enemy style. Like, maybe he shouldn't have said that. Doesn't mean that it's not accurate, though. And what's going on behind the scenes? I, I don't know all the answers, or, you know, some things I've heard I can't, like, who, I, I, I'm, you know, I need to substantiate it. Who knows? But my point is that there's more to it than just Sam Howe playing better. It's a lot of responsibilities. And I, I, I don't see why he would be the obvious candidate. Also, he's not he's not done it. And I, all the people who want him to just be the interim now, if you actually want Bianca to be the coach, I think the last thing you want is him to be the interim now. Look at the schedule. How many more games? Is, this team is going to be favored this week against the Giants, and then that's probably it. Why would you throw in anybody to be an interim in this scenario if you think that they're going to, you know, it's not a great deal. Not to mention, it's a lot of, like I said, it's a lot of extra responsibility stuff. And I don't know if he'd even be able to keep calling plays. So, no, I, I'm not putting the enemy in the, certainly not in the, he's got to be the new guy. If you want to have a conversation about it late in the year or, or in the offseason, maybe. But my best guess is that when new ownership decides or if new ownership decides, they're going to blow it all out. They blow it all out. It's ultimately going to be whoever they hire to be the next GM or whoever is going to be running it to make that call. And for better or for worse, those people typically are hiring people that they're at least somewhat familiar with. So unless the person who comes in is somebody that the enemy is familiar with, I, I, I would say it's low odds that he's the guy. But we've been surprised before. That is true. Uh, it was funny hearing you at first say when new ownership decides and then say if new ownership decides to blow up commander's football operations. Do you think that Josh Harris's mind on the head coach, Ron Rivera, is already made up? You know, I, I, I'm sure it looks like Josh Harris is having a great time right now <laughs> being the owner of this team, right? This is kind of a, it's almost like a perfect world. He owns the team. But nothing that's happening on the field is really his responsibility because he just got here right when it was started. He had no input on anything. So he can kind of just go out there and have a, have a good time in the owner's box and, and uh, chill out. But while, he's, while he and his, he has people helping him, you know, sift through everything, not just the commanders, but the league at large, or what, you know, what, what's going on, I, I don't know how it, it, it would be a reasonable thought to think that he would think that Ron Rivera needs to stay at a minimum in the capacity that he is, meaning overseer of everything. And then the head coach part, I just, you know, after four years, I just don't get why he would stay to that. You know, one of the things with Dan, you know, I can look back at the Rivera hiring in general and ask, you know, how did it be that this guy not just was hired as the head coach, but was given all this power? Well, part of it was Dan Snyder had no leverage. Nobody wanted to come here. His options were cut off in many ways, and Ron Rivera was like, all right, well, I'll do this, but you've got to give me this kind of power. I don't think Josh Harris is going to have this issue. Josh Harris, the world is open to him. So, based on that, I just think he can go out and do, he's got more options, and I think those more options will lead to probably making a change. I'm only couching it because, you know, you never know. But uh, I, I would say no. I would imagine that Josh Harris, uh, you know, does make wholesale changes on that front. The phrase a coach-centric approach has become like a four-letter word <laughs> around here because uh, this current coach-centric approach with Ron Rivera is not going so well. But the truth is that there are coach-centric approaches in the NFL that are working very well. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs have a coach-centric approach with Andy Reid. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers have a coach-centric approach with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, I think that what most people want next for commander's football operations is that 
traditional setup of a general manager type who runs player personnel and hires a head coach. But should Josh Harris, if he blows up commander's football operations, be open to a coach-centric approach? I don't think anything is needs to be you need to be wedded to anything. Like, you know, for example, Seattle is a coach-centric situation. But what I think is interesting is that, like, their GM, John Schneider, seems like a full GM. It is obvious here that Martin Mayhew is not a full GM. That, like, it is ultimately Ron Rivera's call. And I, I would love to know more about the dynamics, and I hope that Josh Harris looks into it. What is it about the Seattle scenario or the Kansas City scenario where, like, you know, if I ask people around the league about who are the better GMs, a lot of them will point to Brett Veach for whatever moves he's made, even though we all know that Andy Reid is in that sort of coach-centric role. Somehow they've been able to do it where Andy Reid or Pete Carroll have the final say, I guess, but this other person is the person. That's clearly not the case here, and I think that's been part of the holdup. And I don't think that's like necessarily just a you know, uh, uh, anything about Martin Mayhew. I just think it's the setup. Um, who is making the calls over there? So um, I don't think the coach-centric thing can work. I just think it's a matter of what's the overall setup and the, oh, do the other people have the authority, the autonomy to do certain things or, you know, uh, to be a, a legit person rather than just be the sort of quasi-figurehead kind of role. I think that's where this whole thing has kind of gone awry at times. Let's talk commander's defense. A massive disappointment this season, obviously. Is the defense being this massive disappointment more due to coaching or to the players? Well, I'll say this, though. Like going back to the final cuts after training camp, and I remember I think collectively we're all like, boy, they're going to have some tough decisions to make. And then they cut people, and then none of those people get picked up and off waivers, and then the season unfolds, and you're like, wait, were we really spending all this time much about like Alex Arma and uh, you know whoever else is like yeah. um, so I think that's part of the overestimation. You and I think this is pretty standard in general. You, you know, we're all focused on one team. We're not comparing them to the other teams. Then the game started like oh okay they clearly do lack some issues. Now obviously on defense they just traded away two of their better players as we know a couple weeks ago. So that that, that, that changes things. Um, but again that's something we just discussing on my podcast is. If you go into this offseason and you look at the, the roster on defense and say, what do they need to do? Boy, they need to do a lot, right? I mean, I, I don't think there's necessarily a starting defensive end on the roster right now. Again, we understand why that is. But in terms of your point of like, uh, like the Smith-Williams and the Two Hills are fine, but in like role-player roles, it looks like we're not seeing that suggests that they would be more than that. Linebacker? I mean, you know, Jamin Davis is improved over his three years, but it's still not to the point where I'm like, oh, this is a, this is a guy that's like a centerpiece of this defense or anything. And then you get to the secondary. Obviously, there's been a couple of injuries with Derek Forrest primarily. The Emmanuel Forbes thing has been super weird. Uh, you know, he's been all over the place, primarily down with his, with his play, but also like how much of that, like this team is using more man coverage this year than expected, and he seems like more of a zone guy. I, I think they've got a lot of questions. Um, you know, it's weird because if you look at the offense, uh, okay, fine, improve the offensive line. I get that. Other than that, I, you know, I mean, tight end, you know, we'll say, but like between how the receivers, the running backs, a, a good part of the line will be back this 
because that's gonna, how it's going to be. The bigger questions are definitely on defense, and I do think their I mean, their lack of depth at linebacker was obvious from the start. Their defense, I think the ta- the defense, the secondary is probably where I overestimated things uh, too much, but that's because also Forbes has been you know way off what, what expectations would be. So yeah, I do think there's something to that, particularly on the depth front. I mean, I just. I mean, I, I don't know if we o- o- overestimated it because I think I was very concerned about their depth across the board um, in general, but it's played out that way. I mean, here's just another example of this, and I know I'm rambling. Cole Turner was inactive this week, the second time he's been inactive in like the last month. He has one catch since week three. Now, I'm not saying I ever thought Cole Turner was going to turn into uh, you know, Mark Andrews or uh, somebody, you know, some, some notable tight end. But he's not even a factor. He's not even playing. And it's that, it's that type of deal where ha, how many guys, other than Sam Howe, can you look at on this roster and say, wow, that player has improved beyond what I assumed? I, I think that list is pretty small. And, you know, and that's where, where like last year, the, the Derek Forrests of the world did play better. And it's just not been happening this year. The Cole Turner thing really stands out. He on Sunday was a healthy and active for a second time in three games. And this is even with Armani Rogers having been on the reserve injured list all season. Like Turner seemingly is buried on the commander's tight end depth chart at this point. Uh, you during Ron Rivera's day after the game press conference on Monday afternoon asked what I thought was a very relevant question. You asked about how Ron felt that interior defensive lineman Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne played and the loss at the Seahawks. Here was Ron's answer. I thought they had their moments. You know, again, one of the things that you have to work on is getting to feel with the guys that you're you're rushing with. And and for them, it's been a, it's been a little bit of a change, obviously. So they've got to continue to work with these guys, develop the, this rapport that you need as far as rushing and and being in the lanes. Um, I think they both were very stout and physical against the the, the run made some plays for us when we needed them. Um, again, I think their pass rush, obviously, is as they get more and more comfortable with these guys, I, I think we, we'll see this as a unit pick up and, you know, be there and, be there and, and create opportunities. All right. Now, Ron Rivera began that answer to your question by invoking what has become a go-to phrase for Ron when he doesn't necessarily have great things to say about a player or a position group. They had their moments. I thought they had their moments. <laughs> yes, thank you, Ron. They had their moments. Uh, I don't think that John Allen and Deron Payne have been bad this season, but I do think that neither John nor Deron has been at his best this season. What did you think of what Ron said in response to your question? And where are you on the uh, seasons that John and Deron are having? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Ron was just sort of not trying to and I'm not saying he thinks that they are playing poorly, but I don't think he's trying. You know, he's he, he, he's 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 had a battle through enough topics. He doesn't necessarily need to want to bring up a new topic of hey, the two guys that are already on the team and already signed and might be here if I stay, or will be here if I stay. Um, I don't need to create any issues there. I know Allen was dealing with a, with plantar fasciitis, or, you know, back in the summer. So you know that that's an injury that can uh, can linger, as a uh, former wizard Nene would would tell you. Um, but with pain, obviously the, the, the sack numbers are way off. This was the big question was how much was last year's 11 and a half sacks in aberration in a contract year or a sign that he was really becoming that type of player when historically he has not been that type of pass rusher. 
So um, I, I do, you know, it's it's my, my basic take on the defensive line all year has been they've been fine, but you're paying them, your investment in them is to be better than fine. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yeah, I mean, they've been fine, but that, that fine can't be good enough. And I do think, for me, the big question going forward is, whatever the scheme is, who's ever running the defense, whatever, can John Allen and Deron Payne be the two cornerstone pieces to the degree that you would need, or do you need to start saying, all right, we need to add, we need to make significant investments in this in this defense. The irony being, they've already been making significant investments in this defense, but not, you know, even before Rivera got here with all the first-round picks, including Cameron Davis and Forbes, so um, I think that's a huge question down the stretch, and one I'm really fascinated to watch is what version of Allen and Payne do they see going forward, and what and therefore what version of them do who future executives or whomever um, see in them, thus determining do you spend a first round pick on a defensive end, or do you say nah, we can get by with other guys, but we need a first round pick on a Kendall Fuller replacement or a new linebacker or something like that. The commanders in trading edge defenders Montez Sweat and Chase Young pretty clearly pivoted from having so much invested in that one position group of the defensive line with the caveat of who knows what the team's football operations will be beyond this season. Do you think that the team in this pass-happy NFL needs to shift to pumping more resources into the secondary? I mean, I think often the case, it doesn't matter what the sport is, you know, you can have a certain plan, but at some point you real you recognize, oh, this is our best players are this way. So therefore we should, and they're not just like good, they're potentially, you know, all pro, pro bowl level players. So we need to, or, you know, high end starters. So we need to lean into that. So, you know, like I really thought this year, uh, I was pretty bullish on the secondary going into the year. Now, obviously Forbes' play just tr- fell off dramatically. Um, you know, Derek Forbes, even before the injury, never really, well, he wasn't, we weren't seeing him the way we were seeing him last year. You know, Cam Curl, a really good player. Uh, obviously, they need him on the field. But when he had that forced fumble a couple weeks ago, it was the first forced fumble of his career. I, I'm, You know, like, they do need to get more playmaking, I think, out of that group. And they're also, I would guess, if you make me guess, I would say it's likely Kendall Fuller does not come back, as you know, just because of the age and the money or who knows what. I mean, maybe he is, and I'm not arguing he shouldn't, but, you know, there could be another another position there where they have to do something. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's really interesting to see. It's not that these next seven games are going to determine everything you do in the offseason, but it is to say it's going to be the last the last impression that you're going to get of what this group is. And, you know, if, if, if trading Chase Young was addition by subtraction, well, then you need to see the addition. And at the moment, we haven't quite seen that. By the way, with Chase Young, and look, what's done is done, but he's having a good season. The commanders could have staggered the scheduled unrestricted free agencies of Chase and Montez Sweat. Given hindsight, did the commanders this past offseason err in not picking up the fifth-year option in Chase's rookie contract? I think they erred in not determining much sooner which of those players on the line they wanted to go with. Trying to remember my exact stance at the time with Deron Payne, you know, when John Allen signed the deal, right, his extension several years ago now, my thought was, okay, well, they're definitely keeping Chase Young. I mean, this is when Dan Snyder's still on the team. Dan Snyder's not letting. I, I don't think that trade happens if Dan, if the real Dan Snyder is still on his team. You know what I mean? 
So then the question was like, well, you're picking between pain and sweat. But then they don't do anything. Pain goes out and has the year that he has. And now you're locked into two. So then it becomes, okay, well, if you pick up Chase Young's fifth-year option, at least for the next year, you're kind of saying Chase Young is the guy and Montez Sweat is out. Because, again, how are you paying all these people? Now, obviously, now that we see that Sam Howell is performing at the level that he's probably QB1 next year, I would think, out on that cheap contract, I guess you could say they could have justified keeping all four with with bigger numbers. But still, it's not that's not really the ideal way to go. So I don't know that they've erred in not picking up Chase Young's option. I just think they erred in not making some plan earlier than just simply saying, well, let's see what happens. Now, I think they will, I will say that because keeping Sweat was still an option, knowing that Young was also a free agent, maybe helped in getting the trade done with the Bears because they, they could legitimately say, we're not going to just trade Sweat to trade him. Whereas, like, Young, they did. So maybe you lose some of that leverage if um, you, you pick up the option. But I think, to me, like I said, the bigger issue is just they didn't seem to have a plan for what they were going to do a, a long time ago rather than just not picking up his option. The commanders trading Montez Sweat was them capitalizing on an offer that was too good to pass up. The commanders trading Chase Young was an unloading. Uh, is that correct? I mean, yeah, I mean, between what I, you know, the quote I had, the addition by subtraction, and Mike Silver's uh, book report on uh, why they didn't like him. Um, Yeah, I think, I think that's the way to to look at it. And, you know, like I said, I'm not the, I'm not going to sit here and say that that was, that they were wrong to do that. I think Chase probably needed a change of scenery. It, it, It really didn't seem like it was completely working, but you know, it is conceivable to look back on it and say, hey, maybe that was too short-term of thinking, especially if you're coming with this addition by subtraction stuff. Well, then that's talking about right now. Where is it? And, you know, the defense has not been good. Um, and that, not saying because it's not been good because of him, but tell me why you needed to do this and then it's not improving. I'd be willing to bet that the uh, bibliography <laughs> for that Michael Silver book report for the San Francisco Chronicle uh, would include Mike's good friend, Ron Rivera. But uh, that's another conversation. Commander's insider, Ben Standing of The Athletic. Uh, Ben, thank you, my friend. Uh, We'll talk next week, and we'll see where your travels have taken you. Husky Stadium, Lumen Field, who knows what's next? Your prediction is my couch will be in the future here this week, but uh, we'll see. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. The well-traveled Ben Standig. Uh, You know, the Game Time app on Tuesday was offering great deals on tickets to Commander's Giants. Uh, If you were thinking about going to that game, download the Game Time app, use the promo code ALGALDI, and get yourself $20 off your purchase. Uh, The Game Time app is outstanding. When it comes to buying tickets for sports, music, comedy, and theater, the Game Time app is the way to go. You see, Game Time offers great deals on last-minute tickets and has a best price guarantee, so you don't have to worry if you're truly going about getting tickets in the best possible way. The Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price because if you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. What's also great about game time is how easy it makes searching for tickets. You can search by team, venue, or artist. Uh, Also, game time is the app for last-minute tickets. You don't have to plan like months in advance. Uh, Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Game time also offers flash deals on tickets, and tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. 
GameTime is the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country. Find out why. Get the tickets without the stress with GameTime, which is offering a great deal for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply, but download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the promo code ALGALDI for $20 off your first purchase. Download the GameTime app and use that promo code ALGALDI. GameTime, last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, we all love the NFL and we all love pizza. So make Little Caesars part of your NFL game day. Little Caesars is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL. Order online during Little Caesars Pizza Pizza pregame, which is one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day Sunday. You can pick your favorite Little Caesars pizza. You can pick the toppings that you crave, kind of like picking players for your fantasy team, only with Little Caesars pizza you never lose. And Little Caesars offers convenient delivery as well as the in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the game. Little Caesars Pizza Pizza. Well, perhaps no loss for the Commanders this season has been worse than their 14-7 loss at the New York Giants in Week 7. We this Sunday do get the rematch, Commanders versus the Giants at FedEx Field this Sunday afternoon at 1. Things for the Giants since that win over the Commanders have only gotten worse. Uh, the Giants in this 2023 NFL regular season are just 2-8 and eight with an NFL worst point differential of minus 148. They're coming off a 49-17 loss at the Dallas Cowboys this past Sunday in a game in which the Giants allowed the Cowboys to amass an astounding 640 total net yards of offense, second highest number of total net yards of offense allowed by the Giants in a regular season game ever. Uh, The Giants reserve slash injured list includes a number of key players, including the team's top two quarterbacks, Daniel Jones and the Virginia Tech product, Tyrod Taylor. The Giants are reeling, and yet, of course, as we know, the commander's beating the Giants 
this Sunday afternoon is uh, far from a given. Uh, I'm very pleased to welcome back to the Al Galdi podcast, longtime Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN Radio in New York, MSG Networks Television in New York, and Giants.com. You can follow Paul on X at Giants WFAN. Paul, nice to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, good to talk to you, too. Uh, doing well. I hope the same over there. But I just have one question that needs to be answered. Could we possibly see a tie for the second season in a row? <laughs> Please, no. Let's not have that again. Uh, you've covered the Giants since 1983. Basically, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong for the Giants this season. Have you ever covered a Giants season like this one? Well, I would say no, uh, because there were so many high expectations off of what happened last year. Uh, that was a playoff team. You, you guys obviously were in that race as well. And you saw a, a team that was growing, that was young, that was eager and looking to build on things. They beat Minnesota out there in the first round of the playoffs on the road. And, and then they improved the roster during the offseason. There was no question that they added some uh, important free agents. They, they really did well in the draft, at least everybody thought so. And so just by nature, you felt that the Giants would be a better team. Now, you knew the schedule was going to be incredibly challenging, much more than it was last year. So I thought it was fair to say that last year's nine-win team could be much better and still fight to win nine, maybe ten games. I really thought that, and I think most people in New York thought the same. There were, there were some getting carried away thinking they'd win 11 or 12. I never thought that, but I simply thought they would absolutely be right in the heart of the playoff race till the final week of the season. But then, as you said, Murphy's Law kicked in, and everything that could go wrong did. Uh, from from all of the the injuries that uh, that hit this team to uh, game flow that that was very unlucky to really rough officiating that cost them the Buffalo and the New York Jets game. I mean, to be frank with you, um, at the end of those two games, we already know some of the mistakes that were made by the Zebras. Really, the Giants and, and Washington should both be a four and six team right now, but that's not exactly something to be proud of. I, I think you would also agree on that front. Uh, yes, I would. Uh, I think that a lot of Commanders fans listening uh, would as well. Are the Giants' problems this season mostly due to injury, and thus the team should just chalk up this season to being a horribly unlucky season and run it back next season? Or are there issues deeper than just injury? I don't think there are deeper issues, although they clearly have to figure out what to do with the franchise quarterback now because of the torn ACL. Uh, the swelling is still in his knee, and so they haven't had the surgery scheduled yet. Once that happens and the medics get in there and they find out what it is that they've got to do, if it's a simple standard ACL, and look at me talking about a simple standard ACL, well, it's not mine, so I guess it can be. Uh, so we'll see, you know, if that's the kind of thing that many quarterbacks have already come back from, can he do the same? If so, there's still a chance that Daniel Jones has a future as the Giants franchise quarterback. But, but there are a lot of variables involved in that. Um, at the same time, if they go in and maybe they don't like what they see or the surgery does not go well, well, then obviously the Giants have to look in a different direction. I really believe that it's too premature to forecast uh, 
where the Giants quarterback situation will be even next year or the year after. I just don't think we have enough information on that yet. Obviously, you got to figure out where they're going to pick and get slotted in the draft as well. Um, but, but I think that's the one thing that's, that's kind of still in flux and in limbo moving forward. Other than that, I just think a lightning bolt hit the barn and burned it down. Uh, it, it, it's just one of those years that that every bent, everything went wrong that could. It was freaky. I still think it's a very good roster, and, and I don't think it's too much to ask this team to be a playoff team next year. Again, they will have to sort out that quarterback situation, though. Tyrod Taylor, you don't know if, if he will be back as the backup, and as you probably know, he's had a lot of injuries in his career, too. And so the Giants' starting quarterback now is Tommy DeVito, undrafted rookie out of Illinois. He, uh, over his three games this regular season, has a sack percentage of 19.4 and a total QBR per ESPN of 11.8. QBR on a scale of 0 to 100. Is there hope for Tommy DeVito? You know, he's put into an impossible situation. I mean, two weeks ago, when he got into a game for the first time, and he threw a completion to Darius Slayton, you know, one of the Giants' starting receivers, it had been the first ball he had thrown to him since he arrived at the facility back in the spring as an undrafted rookie free agent. He had never even thrown a ball to this guy before. So you can imagine, look, I'm sure Sam Howell's already been talking to you guys down there about how he's in his second season and, and he's still trying to develop a chemistry with, with guys. I mean, obviously him and McClure know each other, but, you know, he's, he's trying to develop a certain chemistry and, and trying to figure out, you know, where guys are going to be and what the instincts are telling them about certain movements and this and that and the timing and well, it's impossible to consider that Tommy DeVito, who's been basically thrown into, what, 50 feet of shark-infested waters, could possibly, you know, come out of that thing uh, smelling like a rose. We, we, we know what he's up against. It's not his fault. It's circumstances. Um, is he tough? Yes. Um, can he throw a decent ball? Yes. But you're asking an awful lot from this guy to just step in and make this 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 car run. I mean, it's got it's got two wheels, uh, you know, broken brakes, a busted carburetor, and now he's got to drive it down the turnpike. That's really hard to do. Yes, it is. Uh, much more with Paul Dottino in moments. But if you enjoy Commander's podcasts, uh, check out BGO Blind Pig, the official podcast of BGObsession.com. BGO Blind Pig is a roundtable discussion of all things Washington Commander's football. Pull up a chair, pour a libation of your choosing, and join fellow fans for some passionate D.C. football discussion. You can find the BGO Blind Pig podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or on any major podcast provider. Make BGObsession.com the home for your burgundy and gold obsession and make the BGO Blind Pig podcast one of your weekly D.C. football listens. Uh, More now with longtime Giants insider Paul Dottino of WFAN Radio in New York, MSG Networks Television in New York, and Giants.com as we have the commanders hosting the Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. So the Giants this past offseason had the two big contractual scenarios uh, in those four quarterback 
Daniel Jones and running back Saquon Barkley. Uh, we talked about Jones earlier. The Giants this past March resigned Jones to a four-year contract with $81 million guaranteed at signing. The Giants this past July re-signed Saquon to a one-year $10.091 million contract that was a slightly enhanced version of the franchise tag tender of the Giants having franchise tagged Saquon. I know that it is hard to evaluate Saquon this season with the Giants offensive line having been an injury-ravaged mess, uh, but what do you think about Saquon's season? I think he's played very well. You know, obviously the, the ankle sprain sidelined him for, for a handful of games, but, uh, you know, he's had a couple of 90-yard rushing outings, had the one big 100-plus-yard rushing outing against the Jets. He's been playing behind a, a, an offensive line that's been shuffled almost weekly. Uh, clearly, the quarterback situation, they're down to their third quarterback, a practice squad undrafted rookie. So if you think about all the stuff that's happened, and yet... I, I think Barkley, when he's been in there, has really played well. Now, I mentioned him earlier because the Giants still have control of him. I mean, they can tag him again next year for approximately $13 million for the tag. And I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, maybe it's just me, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Giants do that. I mean, if they don't come to a new deal with him, they just assume probably tag him again because I, I don't think 13 is going to be an outlandish number when the salary cap rises again at the end of the season for a very high quality back of Barkley's nature. I, I just I don't think that's out of the question. The Giants defensive coordinator, Don Wink Martindale, uh, second season as Giants defensive coordinator, he took Commander's assistant head coach slash offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy to school uh, in the first meeting between the Commanders and the Giants this season. How would you evaluate the job that uh, Wink has done this season? Well, I think part of the problem that's happened now, you know, the Giants really, really kind of got their emotions and their 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 mentality uh, souped up for Daniel Jones's return. And when he came back against the Raiders, and it was seven nothing at the end of the first quarter, and that's when the ACL gave out on him. You could feel. I mean, it was it was palpable. Uh, the, the horrible letdown and all the air come out of the balloon on the Giants' sideline. Because, in my opinion, and I don't think any of the players or the coaches would say this, but as I looked at it, I said to myself, all right, disastrous first half of the season. Go out there now. Get your starting lineup intact. Go 5-4 and four over the last nine games and give yourself some respectability and, and a decent push-off into the offseason. And I think that would have been an acceptable situation for this team. But that didn't happen because no sooner does Jones come back in, he doesn't even last a quarter, or he lasted a quarter, I should say, because it was the first play of the second quarter after the knee gave out a second time that they had to take him out. And you knew it was bad. I sense that the entire team really felt that gut punch. And then, as you know, the Avalanche came down in that Raiders game. They they just they just couldn't hang with them, and things fell apart. And then we saw what happened last week in Dallas. The team has just been so battered by so many bad things. 
And I, I just think human nature, I know the guys are pros and they're supposed to go out there and give 150% every single week. Look, you've been around this commander's team for a long time. You know when guys get beaten down too many times, those bruises tend to stick. And I think that's where the Giants' defense is right now because it looked as though for about a month and a half, they were playing like top 10 NFL caliber defense. And then when George went down again against Las Vegas, all of a sudden, boom, things started going going down again. I just think these guys are having a very hard time really believing in themselves and getting up for things at the level that they need to be at because they've just been punched in the stomach too many times this season. We have a lot of Maryland fans listening. The Giants took Terrapins corner Deontay Banks with the number 24 overall pick in the 2023 NFL Draft. Uh, how's he doing? Oh, man, he was a pleasure. What a what a fun guy. You know, he's like a 12-year-old at a candy store. He just loves the game. He loves to practice. He loves being around his teammates. Uh, he enjoys the thrill and the excitement of competition. He had he, played extremely well coming out of the box. There's no question about that high level of play. Now, the one thing he's really going to have to clean up, his biggest problem right now, is he's very handsy. I believe he's been flagged seven times this year for penalties, not all of which were accepted, but that leads the team because he is a very physical player and he's not afraid to really get into the receivers when they're going downfield. Now, you know, when you've been in the league eight, nine, ten years, you can find ways to be uh, crafty in those uh, situations and maybe get away with a few more of those. But when you're a rookie just coming into the league, uh, you're not going to get away with too much. And so he's been very aggressive and overeager sometimes, and, and those flags have been hitting the ground. Uh, once he gets that under control, uh, he's not going to have any problem being the number one corner in this league. As you talked about earlier, last season was such a good season for the Giants. They went 9-7-1 and in the regular season to snap a streak of five consecutive double-digit loss regular seasons and then won a playoff game, a 31-24 win at the Minnesota Vikings in the wildcard round. Uh, such a good first season for the Giants with that new power structure of senior vice president and general manager Joe Shane and head coach Brian Dable. But are their jobs at all in jeopardy with how poorly this season has gone. No, I think they're both definitely back. I mean, we talked about this at the beginning of the conversation. The Giants have, have basically been hit by lightning bolts this year. Uh, I always tell people, you know, I say, listen, I know this sounds reverse psychology, but the stuff that you can't control is the stuff that's always going to screw you up. Because the stuff that you can control, you can fix. But Giants have not been able to control most of the stuff that went wrong with them this year. So it's unrealistic to expect that they could have really fixed it. So when you consider the responsibilities uh, that, that really you know were not lacking, it's just a matter of happenstance. I, I think Giants ownership and front office folks see it the same way. I, I, I would be very surprised if they made any kind of move regarding that. All right, longtime Giants insider Paul Dettino of WFAN Radio in New York, MSG Networks Television in New York, and Giants.com. Paul, thank you, and all the best. Be well.
man, the Giants really are having a horrendous season. Uh, Hopefully you are having a good season in terms of fantasy sports, but if you're looking for something better with your fantasy sports experience, check out Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best and easiest place to play fantasy sports, and it has a special offer for listeners of the Al Galdi podcast, a deposit match of up to $100 for all new customers who sign up with the promo code GALDI. My last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI. Go to underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball, daily drafts, and pick them. Underdog Fantasy offers season-long fantasy with a zero-stress scenario of no waivers, no trades, even no lineup setting. We all know that playing fantasy sports can be very time-consuming. Well, Underdog Fantasy removes the time consumption but keeps the fun and the potential to win money and take advantage of the free money. If you sign up now with the promo code GALDI, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, GALDI, Underdog Fantasy will double your first deposit with up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of at least $10. So in other words, if you deposit $100, you get $100 for free. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code GALDI. Check out underdogfantasy.com or download the Underdog Fantasy app and use the promo code GALDI. Must be 18 or older, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, 21 or older in Massachusetts and Arizona, and must be present in a state in which Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit ncpgambling.org. In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY. And in Tennessee, call 1-800-889-9789. Well, it is hard to hear that the Capitals are playing the Vegas Golden Knights and not think about 2018, right? When the Caps beat the Golden Knights to win the Stanley Cup title. Well, it is the Golden Knights who are the reigning defending Stanley Cup champions, but the Caps on Tuesday night shut out the Golden Knights. A 3-0 win over the Golden Knights at Capital One Arena, continuing a tremendous run by the Caps. They now are 7-1-1 since their 1-3-1 start to this 2023-2024 NHL regular season. And the Caps are doing this despite being without a bunch of key players. Center Nicholas Backstrom, winger Anthony Mantha, defenseman Martin Fehervari, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, and Joel Edmondson all are currently out due to injury. Heck, the Caps' number one goaltender, Darcy Kemper, he has not started any of the Caps' last three games due to getting hurt in the Caps' 4-3 overtime loss to the Florida Panthers at Capital One Arena last Wednesday night, November 8th. But here we are. The Caps are 8-4-2, and and their goaltending in each of the last three games has been outstanding. Uh, this past Friday night, a 4-2 win at the New Jersey Devils. Uh, Charlie Lindgren was the Caps' starting goaltender. He stopped 24 of the 26 shots on goal that he faced. This past Saturday night, a 4-1 win at the New York Islanders. Hunter Shepard was the Caps' starting goaltender. He stopped 36 of the 37 shots on goal that he faced, including all 25 of the shots on goal that he faced over the final two periods. And in this 3-0 
nothing win over the Golden Knights at Capital One Arena on Tuesday night. Charlie Lindgren was the cap starting goaltender, and he was great again. He stopped all 35 of the shots on goal that he faced. He made a one-goal lead stand for most of the game. Uh, the only goal in the game for most of the game was an even-strength goal by the Caps' second-line center, Dylan Strome, 16-39 into the first period. Uh, the Caps scored two goals in the final minute of the game, an even-strength empty net goal by third-line center, Connor McMichael, 19-11 into the third period, and an even-strength goal by fourth-line left-wing Beck Malenstein, 19-27 into the third period. But here's what impressed me about Charlie Lindgren's performance on Tuesday night more than anything. Lindgren pitched the shutout despite the Caps getting bludgeoned <laughs> in the puck possession battle. Uh, Lindgren, for natural stat trick, stopped all 14 of the high danger shots on goal that he faced. The Caps, per natural stat trick, had just 39 five-on-five shot attempts to the Golden Knights' 61, including just four five-on-five high-danger shot attempts to the Golden Knights 15. The Caps got worked by the Golden Knights in the puck possession battle, and yet still, Lindgren had the shutout. Uh, This was Caps head coach Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night on Charlie Lindgren. He was the win. Um, Just fantastic all night. Made a... um Go, go down the list of the, of the breakaways, all the different saves in tight, some screen and tips, some rebound stuff. He had it all pass outs off their four check. They go right to F3. Must have saw three or four of those. So all, all sorts of different stops. Um, so the, the, um, the difference in the game. Yes, he was. Uh, now, Darcy Kemper is getting healthier. Uh, he was the Caps' number two goaltender for this game. The Caps on Tuesday announced that they had loaned goaltender Hunter Shepard uh, to their AHL affiliate, the Hershey Bears. We, during Spencer Carberry's postgame press conference on Tuesday night, had this exchange between Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of Monumental Sports Network and Carberry. You've got a really hot backup goaltender right now. How do you how do you handle things going forward? He's playing well, so in that we'll evaluate the starts with our goaltender and coach. But I mean, that's um, he's earning opportunity to get into the net, and he's playing at a real high level. So I I don't really look at it like Darcy needs to start here, here, and here. This is a 82-game schedule, and we're going to need a bunch of different goaltenders. And so if that means Chucky goes a bunch in a row or however that shakes out, um, I don't put too much stock in it. I do know um, Chucky is earning opportunity with his play, and, and he's playing at an elite level right now. Yeah, we could have a uh, brewing goaltender controversy for the Caps. Uh, Something to think about. Uh, The Caps on Tuesday night, two of two on the penalty kill. So the Caps now during this stretch of going seven, one and one are a remarkable 20 of 20 on the penalty kill. That does speak to the goaltending, right? Because the cliche in hockey is a hockey team's best penalty killer uh, is the goaltender. Uh, Also, the Caps on Tuesday night, 18 block shots. This off having a whopping 32 block shots in that win at the Islanders this past Saturday night. Uh, The Caps on Tuesday night did go 0-3 on the power play. But bottom line, the Caps are rolling right now. More from Spencer Carberry during his post-game press conference on Tuesday night. Like I told the guys, 
I appreciate. So it's hard to be critical in these moments, and we'll go back and digest the film, and we'll get to work on all the things that we need to do a better job of. We will get to work, and we will um, put that in. Um, but to find ways to win, good teams do that, and that's what we continue to do against a really good team that is arguably the most experienced at coming back winning games tight game we find a way to win like who, who's better than the stanley cup champions right um that has just played in you know two months of, of those type of games so w- w- our guys deserve a lot of credit for finding a way to grind out um and chucky obviously deserves a lot of credit penalty kill like the, the penalty kill so us our power play stumbles again and you know power plays are coming their way and that's a critical part in the game because you know on their bench so what are they saying they're going okay the penalty kill just killed nine minutes for us so the power play guys on on vegas are like we we gotta we gotta do our part right we gotta do our part and our penalty kill snuffed them out and did a really good job of um in a moment where vegas you knew was like okay this is our moment where we're gonna get this game tied and our penalty kill said no and and has continued to to carry us in a lot of moments in games over the last half dozen or whatever it's been. Well, next up for the Caps, home to the Columbus Blue Jackets, Saturday night at 7.30. Well, it was on Thanksgiving 2007 that the Caps fired Glenn Hanlon as their head coach, uh, leading to the hiring of Bruce Boudreaux as head coach in the Rock the Red era, truly getting going. Uh, Thanksgiving 2023 is next week, and our friends at Manscaped want to make it so that your grooming struggles are not a topic at the Thanksgiving table. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is a revolutionary personal trimmer that will give you the ultimate below-the-waist grooming experience. Uh, with Thanksgiving coming up, let the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra gobble gobble whatever you want eliminated below the waist. And you can have the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra via a great deal. Manscaped is hooking up listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to manscaped.com, use the promo code GALDI, and get 20% off plus free shipping. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is the best below-the-waist electric shaver ever. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra features skin-safe blade heads so that you avoid nicks and cuts. The Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra features an LED spotlight so that you don't miss a spot, even in, uh, shall we say, low-tight situations. <laughs> and the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is waterproof so you can groom wet or dry. Also, you can get the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra as part of Manscaped's Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, which also includes the Weed Whacker 2.0 Ear and Nose Trimmer, Manscaped's Liquid Formulations, and two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers 2.0 and the Shed 2.0 toiletry bag. Manscaped products are great. They also make for great gifts, but take advantage of what Manscaped is offering to listeners of the Al Galdi podcast. Go to manscaped.com and use the promo code Galdi, my last name, G-A-L-D-I, Galdi, for 20% off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com, promo code Galdi, for 20% off plus free shipping. And that will do it 
for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can hit me up on X at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Thursday show, episode 701. We'll provide you with more on the Commanders as they on Wednesday are beginning their practice week for their game against the New York Giants this Sunday afternoon at 1. We on Wednesday expect to hear from both head coach Rod Rivera and quarterback Sam Howell via press conferences. Also on Thursday's show, I'll talk Wizards and college basketball. The Wizards are home to the Dallas Mavericks Wednesday night at 7. Georgetown is at Rutgers Wednesday night at 8.30. And Virginia Tech is home to Campbell Wednesday evening at 6. Have a great rest of your Wednesday, and I'll talk to you on Thursday. I thought they had their moments. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.